Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Welcome back to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio, you are listening to WKNR Cleveland, ESPN Cleveland 850 here. And we are joined in studio, live by the new defensive coordinator of the Cleveland Browns, Jim Schwartz. Coach, welcome to the studio. Welcome back to Cleveland. Uh, Great to talk with you today. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me, and it's great to be back in Northeast Ohio. Um, I've sort of taken a little um, trip around the Great Lakes, you know, Cleveland to Detroit to Buffalo. Um, so we've gone full circle. You have, and, and you you know crushed your opening press conference. That was uh, people talk about winning the press conference. Fans were always very pleased, and one of the reasons is that connection you have to this city and what you had said about it. Now that you've been, well, let, let, let's try not to let that be my legacy. Not going to be your legacy. Okay. No, yeah. no. Let's, that, let's try to let's try to win some games. Let's play some good defense and not worry about press conferences as much. I like that. How have, how is it, like, is it surreal for you now to be that you've had a few weeks back to be back in Cleveland where it all started for you? You know, in the press conference, you're probably going through everything, but now that you've actually been here and you're working back in Cleveland, is it, is it kind of surreal? Yeah, a little bit. You know, you, you fall back into the same, um, the same routines. Um, the building's changed a lot, but um, there's still a lot of ghosts here that, um, you know, <laughs> that have been walking here for the last, you know, 30 years. And, um, you know, just getting used to the trains again, getting used to the, you know, to the, the cloudy and rain. And <laughs> and I tell you one thing it does, it, may, it makes you appreciate the sun when it does come out, you know. And um, so, yeah, falling back in, I mean, I haven't really gone past the airport and the office, um, you know, been trying to catch up on a lot of things and, um, you know, get ourselves, get ourselves in position, not just catching up on you know, watching last year and, you know, what was asked of the players and how they did it and try to incorporate new things and, you know, incorporating a staff, but also trying to get ready for free agency in the draft. I mean, there's a lot of hats to wear this time of year and, um, you know, that clock's ticking. So, um, you know, my, my scope has been limited to, like I said, the facility in the airport and that's about it. So walk us through a, a day in the life of Jim Schwartz, as you mentioned. I imagine there's some evaluating the current roster, evaluating people that you like to bring in, whether it be free agents or in the draft. What's what's kind of the day like for you right now? Well, I mean, it, it's really not people that I would like to bring in. It's players that Andrew and Kevin sure. would like to bring in. And my perspective is how they would fit and what they're going to be asked to do. Um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not my job to, you know, to, to decide who's coming. It's more of my job to give them perspective on how they're going to be used and what would be asked of them and, and how valuable they would be in the defense. So, you know, yeah, we, we sort of split our day, you know, we spend about half the day working on schemes and, and really at, at this point of the process, it's more, you know, watching, um, you know, watching last year's games and letting the current coaches talk. And so I can I can get a feel for them as coaches, but also I can get a feel for what was asked of the players. And, 
you know, how they how they did it and terminology that was used. And, you know, some things pique your interest. And it's like, hey, that's an interesting way to do something. Man, I want to um, hold on to that. And there's other things like, man, I think there's a better way to do this. Um, you know, and then we spend sometimes looking at, um, you know, Philadelphia or Buffalo sure. or Detroit. I mean, we've gone Tennessee. We've gone, you know, a lot of different places with – saying, hey, look, we, we ran this this way. Here's an example of it. I think this can be helpful for us, and this can help this certain player. And then we've even started looking at um, other teams around the league and things that they do well. And everybody does the same thing this time of year. It's, you know, hey, let's see what makes this team tick, and, you know, let's see how they how they um, handled this situation or they used employed this personnel group or this scheme and how we can make that our own. So that's pretty much half the day. And then the other half is, you know, is built in to try and, um, you know, provide some perspective and some evaluation on free agents. And, you know, the combine's coming up soon, trying to get, um, you know, trying to get our feet under us there. And, um, you know, uh, all along with, um, you know, house hunting and, um, you know, um, trying to uh, trying to get a little exercise and trying to find something to eat every once in a while. So that's that's pretty much a day for me. It sounds like a very full day. And you mentioned, you know, the other stops. You've been in Tennessee. You've been with the, the Detroit Lions, the Buffalo Bills, the Eagles, head coach obviously in Detroit. But one thing I noticed everywhere you've been, you've sent defensive tackles to the Pro Bowl with Hainsworth with Tennessee, a first-round pick, 15th overall, and Dominican Sue, who you drafted uh, in Detroit with your team there, first-round pick, second overall. He's still playing, by the way, with Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Marcel Darius, who was the third overall pick in Buffalo, and then Fletcher Cox, who's still playing in the Super Bowl with Philly also. A first round pick. Well, you better mention Kyle Williams in there. Kyle too. Williams, Kyle was Williams phenomenal in Buffalo, Buffalo as well. One yeah. of the best players I've been around. You know, our, our scheme is very friendly for defensive linemen. Okay. Um, and know, why is that? Well, we're not gonna we're not gonna slow them down with a bunch of um, with a bunch of stuff. We're gonna ask them to go create some havoc and to go. Um, you know, I'll, I'll watch my language here. We're gonna ask them to go mess some stuff up. Yep. And that's their job. Their job is to mess some stuff up. It's the linebacker's job to go clean that mess up. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're sort of attack on waves. You know, the, the, those guys, as long as they're getting penetration and, and creating disruption, the guys off behind them can play. And it's a lot like covering kickoffs where you have your disruptors and your penetrators and then your second-level guys that fall in behind. But we put a lot of emphasis on allowing those guys um, – freedom to to um to win on their side of the block we allow them a lot of freedom to rush the passer particularly on early downs um there's different ways that we have to cover that behind but you know this league is about putting pressure on the passer it's about creating lost yardage plays and um you know and winning on third down and if you want to win on third down create some lost yardage plays on first and second down. Um, I don't know if it was my last year in Philly, one of those years we led the NFL in, in tackles for losses and first and second down sacks. And, um, you know, th- that'll set you up for third down. Plus, there's there's a high incident of turnover when you're hitting the quarterback and things like that. we got some good guys that do it here, and um, I think we can help them out by um, by lessening their load, um, limiting their scope a little bit more, let them be disruptive. And um, I think we'll see the results we, we have. There's, there's probably going to be a line of defensive tackles with their resumes in hand um, hanging out here um, in Berea. Trying to um, come and play for you. Yeah, yeah I mean, and, and again, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, hasn't been, it hasn't just been 
good fortune that we've had those kind of players. You know, we've we've run a scheme that's friendly to those guys, allows them to make plays. Some people have schemes where it's the defensive line's job to um, you know play at the line of scrimmage and to keep the linebackers free so that they can make plays. We sort of take the opposite approach and uh, and take the handcuffs off those guys. We'll get those guys playing without a seatbelt, and um, you know and 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 um, you know sort of sort of playing on the edge, and that's where we want them. How important is it to what you want to do to have somebody? We talked about those guys all picked in the top half of the first round. You also mentioned Kyle Williams, who was phenomenal in 2014. I remember when we went into Buffalo and Jerry Hughes had, I think, a fumble recovery for a touchdown. You guys yeah. knocked John football on his Yeah, he was playing dead. He was playing dead on the yeah. field. Yeah. Yes. yeah, he came in, he drove down the field, and then I was like, you know, the game was sort of out of hand at that point. I was like, okay, I'm not having yeah, No more of this. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. he certainly <laughs> did put him on his back. But yeah. How important is it, you know, we don't have a first-round defensive tackle in terms of pure talent on this roster right now. How important to what you want to do is it to, you know, get with Andrew Barry and you guys work together in Philly and say, no, this is something that's critical to what I do because it allows me to free up Miles and the guys on the outside to do what they do. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously you have a player like Miles, but some of the best players that have played for us in the past haven't been first-round draft picks. Um, you know, and, and, you know, so I, I don't think it, it has to be, it has to be, you know, that, yep. um, you know, I've had guys that have been seconds and thirds and fourths and, you know, even undrafted free agents that have been very productive, um, you know, in this, and there's, there's certain skill sets that we look for and, and, um, you know, different, a little bit of play style that maybe other people might not appreciate as much. They might use the person a little bit different and, um, you know, and I think that you know, sort of involved in that scheme is we can get guys, we can get guys going pretty quickly, and um, you know, and get them successful on the field. So, players come from a lot of different uh, areas, and first round draft picks get a lot of attention, obviously, because you know they're the they're the attention grabbers. But you know, the meat and potatoes of this league are are not the first rounders, sure. and uh, and our ability as coaches is. Um, is or our hallmark as coaches is not going to be coaching the first rounders. I mean, you want to do that. You want those guys to do well. But our hallmark as coaches is going to be finding productive players later on down the line. So I look forward to working with those guys and, you know, sort of talking with our scouts and explaining how we're going to use guys and maybe guys that in the past might have been overlooked because they couldn't do a certain thing. But, you know, they might fit our play style. And, um, you know, I think that um, we all work together. We can find some productive players regardless of first round or high price free agent or anything else. So when people talk about, you know, Jim Schwartz defense, you hear a lot of wide nine. For our listeners, what does that mean? Yeah, I haven't called it the wide nine for years. Um, you know, we were, we were when I was in Tennessee with uh, Jim Washburn, who I think is one of the, the best D-line coaches in the history of the National Football League. We sort of we, we, we came into the playing the nine technique more as an adjustment based on who we were playing. We were playing the Colts every year and playing Houston, and they were running wide zone, and yep. Peyton was running all those play actions. And, and um, you know, we, it sort of fit for us. We had Hainsworth inside, and we wanted to funnel the ball back to him. Um, you know, our names have changed over the years. I like to call it an attack defense. Okay. We're not a read team up front. We're an attack team. Um, we're, we're going to be disruptive. We're hitting spots. It's probably not as wide as it used to be, um, but it's um, it's pretty pretty simple in theory. 
um, and it allows the players to you know play fast and puts them in the best position to rush the quarterback and sort of play the run in between. We've also been very good run teams over the years. Been great, you know, from from a from a front that. I think if a um, you know a casual observer would look, they're saying you know hey this front is built to rush the passer and check yes it is, but um, also the disruption it creates and the way we play the linebackers and the second level players um, can make it very disruptive for the run game and it takes certain run games away. We're generally pretty good at at matching up against some run schemes. So you went to Philly. You turn it around quickly there, the defense. You win a Super Bowl in your second year there. What's kind of the key to coming into a place and, and getting it turned around like that? Is it a collaboration with the general managers you talked about? In that case, would have been Howie Roseman trying to figure out this is, you know, these are the traits I'm looking for. This is the style I want to play, getting that together and then coaching those guys up and, and letting them, as you said, be disruptive. Yeah, I mean, communication is the key. You know, and um, I had really good relationship with Howie, and he's an outstanding GM. And he valued defensive linemen the same way that I did. Not just when I was there, but even before. Sure. You know, he 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 always he had his envision. And probably one of the reasons I got hired there was the 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 way he was building the defense really fit into sort of my style and how the players were going to be used. And he knew if he spent money slash drafted players that it wouldn't be wouldn't be wasted money. Um, you know, I think probably the biggest thing, you know, we're, we're just going to find ways to streamline communication. We're going to find um, things that fit our personnel the best. And what we might try to get to long term might not be exactly what we do short term. You know, we, we, we have players that we have and you can't change everybody in a year. Sure. So you got to find a way for those guys to be successful and do what they do well. And, um, you know, I've I've had plenty of seasons that – you know, we started off one way, and then we get loaded with injuries, and then you finish another way. And the way you played at the end of the season might not even resemble some of the schemes you were using early in the year, but you had to match it to your personnel. You had to plug up um, holes. You had to handle injuries. Um, that's one of the things that experience has really helped. I had some failures early in my career doing that. You know, I forgot about the strengths of the team. I spent too many, too much of my time worrying about the weakness. And, um, you know, later in my career, I benefited from that. You know, we all benefit from making mistakes early sure. in our careers. And, you know, I, I look at it, you know, some of the successes we've had later with understanding, you know, yeah, we have weaknesses. But, yeah, let's accentuate our positives. Um, you know, let's, let's, let's make opponents worry about those things as opposed to spending all our time trying to, you know, trying to, um, you know, cover things up. Um, you know, but... You know, I mean, I've heard a lot of different people say that um, that good teams get better over the course of the season. You know, you've heard some of the greatest coaches in the NFL say that. And I get what they're saying. I don't necessarily agree. I, I would say the good teams find out who they are and, and, and they build toward that. You know, and it's a little bit of a funnel. Early in the year, you really don't know. Your cast of carriers, even if you have the exact same guys back, it's probably going to be a little bit different than the year before. Your dynamics a little bit different. Your leadership's a little bit different. One, some guys are one year more mature and better. Some guys are one year older and maybe less effective. So you know the whole thing is figuring out who you are, what your personality is going to be, what's going to fit, um, what's going to fit you the best, and then you get good at those things. And sometimes the best coaching you can do is just get out of the way. You know, give them a good framework 
something that fits them. Um, you know, make, make sure your communication's good, make sure your rules are good, streamline your communication, simplify things as much as you can. And then, and then, you know, you know, let, let the dogs eat. And, um, you know, I think that that's, that's another part of maturing as a coach is, is you can sort of, you don't feel like you need to inject yourself into it. You know, let your players shine, let your, do what your players do the best. And um, like I said, sometimes the best coaching is just um, you know getting out of the way, give them a good framework, and 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 let those guys run. There's other times where you have to you have to create some some stuff. Maybe you're challenged because of injuries. Maybe you're challenged talent wise, and um, you know maybe maybe you need to do a little bit more. Um, you know, I, I will, I'll quote Bill Parcells. Bill Parcells famously said, "If you don't have any tendencies, you're probably not very good." <laughs> Right. And some of the best defenses I've had, some of the best defenses in the National Football League, some of the best um, offenses in the history of the National Football League did what they did and did it well. And it fit their guys, and they had good players in position, and um, you know, and they, and they were successful as a result. This is what we're going to do, try to stop it, right? Yeah, it has, and, a, little, it has a little bit of that. And, yeah. when, you, and when, you, when, you have, when you have players like you mentioned, you know, um, you know, when you have, um, you know, good guys up front or guys that can cover, I'm really excited about our corners. Got great corners. Yeah. And, you know, and I've had probably, um, you know, I've, I've had varying degrees of corners. When I was in Buffalo for a year, we had, we had, we were strong up front. Jerry Hughes, Marcel Darius, Kyle Williams, Mario Williams. We had a lot of sacks. And yeah, yeah, we were, led the league. We were good in just about every yeah. area. Um, you know, we were, we were really good defense, maybe one of the best I've had. But a um, little bit under under recognized was how strong our corners were with Steph Gilmore and yeah. Leotis McKelvin and Corey Graham and Nikel Roby, um, Aaron Williams at the safety. I mean, you know, those guys could cover, and you didn't need to protect them very much. And he also had a great attitude of, um, like, I got that guy, and, um, you know, get out of my way. Clear the dance floor for me. I'll get that guy covered. Um, you know, cover is is a lot of swag and a lot of um, confidence, and you got to back that up. But those guys did, and that freed us up to do so much more stuff up front. And like I said, I'm I'm really excited to work with the young corners they have here. Um, you know, uh, I think I think that can put us in a good position. That can, you know, that can sort of synergize with what we do up front. You know, maybe there's times we can bring more guys in protection because we can single guys up in the back end. Um, you know, there's there's times we can be aggressive, and you know that'll help guys like Miles out. They'll take chips off of him. That'll take center slides away from him, and give him some more one-on-one opportunities. And you know, when it's all said and done, I've I've said this with a lot of you know great players in the past. But I'll have a I'll have a little spot on my wall in my office that says you know anything that gets Miles Garrett one-on-one is good um, is a good scheme. Yeah. And um, you know, and then, and then you and then you just let him let him play, you know. But we don't need to try to necessarily scheme guys to get open. I mean, if you do, maybe they do, maybe they don't. You're sort of counting on the offense to screw up, or you're bringing more than they can possibly go, which has its own pitfalls. But you know, we can get our best players one on one and create matchups for those guys. We'll be in a pretty good place, particularly with guys like Miles. What makes Miles so special, and why he's so excited to coach him? Yeah, he's a freak show. Um, you know, there's not many guys that have walked this planet that have his size and his athletic ability. I mean, you know, just when you watch him, um, you know, I know he, he suffered with some injury in the middle of the year last year, and some of those games, you know, didn't look like the 95 that you see early or late or you're used to seeing. But, 
he got it back at the end of the year. And, um, you know, just incredible balance, incredible bend, yeah. explosiveness, um, plays hard, um, productive, great eyes for the quarterback. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really exciting. And I've had, I've had some good ones, and, you know, I think he's got a chance to be, you know, at the top of that list and um, maybe at the top of the list, um, you know, in in this league and then maybe even in the history of this league he's got that kind of talent he's got that kind of personality and um you know sort of our job as coaches to find ways to, to free him up one-on-one um you know and uh and build around that kind of player yeah well one of the edges that you coached to prominence brandon graham called you a wizard at the super bowl when he was asked about the browns getting you as a defensive coordinator and i would well, be, i'd be remiss if i didn't note that you lined him up over a guard on the play that led to the strip sack that led to the Super Bowl victory for your Eagles. So, obviously, something there moving yeah, guys Yeah, we moved. BG was tough because he's, he's sort of short and squatty and yeah. really powerful. And sometimes he was a hard handle for, you know, some of the offensive tackles just because of his natural leverage. You know, I go back with Brandon a long way. I coached him in the Senior Bowl and saw firsthand. And then, obviously, he got to Philly after he had been in the league. But, you know, he, he had never really hit his stride yet. And, um, you know, just it's, it's a pleasure to coach guys like Brandon and made a lot of big plays for us, um, you know, over over our time there. And I'm excited for him in the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, when you talk about team that can rush the quarterback, man. <laughs> 70 sacks. Yeah. I mean, holy mackerel. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're still getting it done. And, you know, guys like Fletcher still getting done. Gravedigger, Hargrave is um, at an outstanding year. Reddick was – Holy mackerel! Um, yeah, and it really, it's really impressive to watch, and that really sets the tone. I say, say this: all the great teams that I've been around, and a lot of the great teams I've observed in history, the engine that drives their—I uh, don't know what to call it—their their, their the, the tempo is created by the defensive line. Up front, yep. And when you can have three hundred pound guys running wide open, like I said, playing without a seatbelt and hustling to the ball it just sets such a great tempo for the rest of your um for the rest of your guys and for your team um you know and that's what we'll aspire to here and um you know bg had a lot to lot to do with that but he called me a wizard probably because i'd just get out of his way and let him go and give him a good framework and go you know it wasn't you know i mean it, that yeah. that play that wasn't anything other than getting the match up and, you know, Brandon Graham one-on-one against that guard was a good matchup for us. And, you know, we, we, didn't, we didn't play great that game, but we made the play that we had to, and, and, and Brandon helped do that. I would be remiss if I didn't say Malcolm Jenkins on that play took Brady's first look away. Brady, Brady was trying to hit Gronk. Jenks saw it, sunk into it, and then Brady had to, uh, had to reload that pump, thing yep. to go to the flat, and that gave Brandon the time. So – you know, not every player we talked about, Miles, you know, talk about any of these guys, talk about our corners. But um, when you're truly operating efficiently on defense and, and, you're, and your guys complement each other, you know, and, and your corners are able to cover better because the pass rush is clocking the quarterback. Um, or your, your corners are covering long enough, which is buying time for those guys to go in and make those plays. But there's unsung heroes on every play. There's no player that stands alone. Ultimate team game. We'll get you out of here real quick on this. Two quick ones. Joe Thomas, first ballot Hall of Fame. When you're a defensive coordinator and you went against the Browns many times when you've got a tackle like that, does that actually affect a defensive coordinator? Oh, sure. What sure. made him so good in your mind? Yeah, you know, I mean, he was one of those guys I just thought had, like, like 
such low blood pressure, and I and I mean that in a in a in a really complimentary yeah. way. Um, it was, John Wooden had a quote like like be quick, but don't be in a hurry. Or so slow is fast. Is Joe, that, he says that all the time. Joe Thomas. Oh, really? says that all the time. Oh wow! I'm, I'm, slow is fast. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But and and you could see that in yeah. his play. He was never frazzled. He had outstanding technique. I mean, he's a talented guy. And, yeah. But he had outstanding technique. You could never. You could never seem to rattle him over the course of the game, and um, or over the course of a season, and um, wow, you know that's I, I think in a nutshell that that was his. He never he never got outside his technique. He was patient. He had a lot of confidence, and um, you know, you know, I, it, 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 he's going he's going to have a he's going to have a gold jacket, no doubt. I want to leave you with this. I always like to ask, you know, something, give the fans a way to understand you, the human, a little bit. And so I'm going to go back at a little research here. In your high school yearbook quote, this is what you said you like to do in your free time. Playing sports. Check. Weightlifting. Yep. Partying. Well, yeah, well, back in the day. Back in the day. Back in the day. And listening to Judas Priest. Yeah, a lot of 80s heavy metal in my background. Okay, so what is Jim Schwartz, the Jim Schwartz that sits before me right now, if you're right now in my free time, whatever you may have. Yeah, I don't Limited. have very much free time to, when you have kids, you don't you don't get to play sports very much. My golf game went way downhill <laughs> when, the, when the kids, because, you know, it's hard to go spend six hours playing golf. Of course. You need to spend time with, with, the your, kids. with your family, particularly in this business where we, we spend so much time in the office. Uh, but now my kids are in college now, so maybe I'll, I'll restart that and uh, can become a bogey golfer again. I've uh, got some great courses here. That, you do, um, you know that that I could that I could work with. Um, Still, like, Judas Priest. I like golf to eat too much. Yeah, you know, I got some country music in me. I mean, I lived okay. in Nashville way too long to not enjoy sure. country. I love the stories with country, but yeah, at heart, if I'm going if I'm going to work out, um, and and all my time working out now is trying to get small, not trying to get big. <laughs> Right. You know, I mean, I change. You know, I used, sure. to, used to try to be a meathead, and um, and and now it's it's all just Peloton and rowing, and you know, and and, and high reps. I'm I'm trying to get um, small, not big. But you still, it, it's it it's 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 not just sort of fun. It just um, it helps you concentrate in the day. If you can keep yourself fit, um, you know, it, it helps you in a lot of ways. But if I'm if if I get an especially hard workout, I'm still rolling back to Metallica and 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 Priest and you know Scorpions and Tesla and Guns and Roses and I love it. you know that's my um, that's my thing. But if I'm in the car on a long trip, you know maybe maybe it's more Kenny Chesney and Eric Church and you know those kind of guys. Coach, this has been pure joy. I, I could sit here and talk with you for hours. Love listening to the way you kind of break down ball and everything and certainly very happy to have you here. And yes, the focus is not on press conferences, not on these interviews. <laughs> it's on going out there and winning games. And unfortunately we have to wait a while to do that. This fall said we have miles to go. Credit to Gibby for that one, but yeah. certainly happy to have you here and thanks so much for the time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. That was Jim Schwartz. We'll be back to more Clean Browns Daily brought to you by Ballybet right after this.